Um, I'm real excited about teaching. Um, you can go ahead and begin turning to Ephesians 6 and verse 13. Most of you probably know exactly what we're going to talk about when I say Ephesians 6. Um, very excited. I, this, this has felt revelatory for me as I've dug into it and a, a little backstory on it. So, so I thought I was going to teach out of John 10. And I had been working on that like Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And then I came to prayer yesterday morning. Did y'all know we're doing 21 days of prayer? Okay. Yes. Like two people. So 6 a.m. Um, for the next 15 days or so every, every Monday through Friday. Anyway, I was here yesterday morning and I was praying over in that corner and the Lord began to speak to me uh, about the subject we're going to talk about tonight in Ephesians 6 and 13. We're going to talk about standing in peace and the shoes that are mentioned in the armor of God, okay? And, and the Lord was speaking to me, so I went home, and I just started writing, and it was flowing, and I was like, okay, this is what I need to bring tomorrow night to teach, and let me read you a text that I got from Pastor Josh while I was kind of in that flow, and the Lord was really talking to me. He sends me a text right in the middle of it, and it says this, today is going to be a fantastic day. Some of you probably got this text. This is the day the Lord has made, yes, and I will rejoice and be glad in it, he says, let's love people, grow the kingdom, spread the gospel, and storm the gates of hell. And then he says, put on your armor. <laughs> put on your armor, protect your mind, and walk, walk. I'm going to talk about walking and standing in our feet tonight in victory. And I was just like, okay, you know, you may not go with me on that, but I believe that was a confirmation from the Lord. Our God is so creative in the way that he speaks to us and leads us and just kind of gently step by step. And so to me, that was just kind of an encouraging confirmation. So I'm very excited to bring this lesson to you tonight. Ephesians 6, and we're going to read two verses, 13 and 14. I'll be reading from the ESV. Y'all ready? Come on, you ready? All right. Okay. Paul said, therefore, take up, everybody say take up. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, okay? Pay attention to that word, withstand, in the evil day. And then he says, and having done all, to stand firm. Okay, so there it is again, stand. Then he goes right into verse 14 and says again, now stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and I have, oh, I didn't include verse 15. <laughs> Somebody read it out loud for me. That's our key verse. Dear Lord, I left it out of my text. Okay, one more time, Nathan, verse 15. All right, I love that it used the word readiness. As shoes for your feet. Put on the readiness from the gospel of peace. Can I believe I left the main verse out of my text? But verse 15 is where we're going to focus. There's, there's all of the parts of the armor, you know that. But we're going to talk about the shoes of peace, which personally for me has always been something that's been a little bit more abstract and kind of hard to figure out because of the way that sentence is structured, that, that, that it's, it's a preparation in the King James, it uses the word preparation. In other places, it says the readiness of the gospel of peace. And so you hear them called the shoes of peace or the shoes of gospel. And I've always been a little confused by that, but I feel like I got a lot of clarity in studying it. All right. So I titled the lesson Standing in Peace, okay? Uh, because in Ephesians 6, as I just showed you, Paul used the word stand and withstand three times just over a couple of verses there. All right. And we're shown that there's a correlation between the peace of God and our feet. And this is what the Lord began to deal with me about over in the corner yesterday morning when I was praying. Okay, now that, that's significant. And with God's help, I'm going to do my best to try to bring some revelation out of this. How many of you know the scripture is deep, deep waters? deep waters. And I, I want to go deep with the Lord. I want him to show me and lead me. I want to I feast on the meat of his word, not just the milk. All right. So there's no idle words with the Lord. Okay. It was intentional that peace went to the feet. Righteousness was on the chest and salvation was on the head. And we, we've got the truth was around our waist like a belt. But when it comes to our feet, 
When it comes to our standing, Paul's used the word peace, the gospel of peace. Okay, that's very intentional. All right, so, um, so God wants us to experience peace, obviously. He wants us to live in his peace. He wants us to be able to maintain daily, from moment to moment, if you will, peace in our lives, regardless of what I'm facing. Now, that sounds good in theory, okay? But that's not some pie-in-the-sky goal. It's not just an ideal. We see it right here in the Scripture, okay? We do not have to be theory, no-practice Christians. How many of you know what that means? That it's all theory in my head, that my faith is more theoretical, but I don't know how to walk it out? I know y'all don't have problems with that, but I've lived like that much of my life. It was theory with really no practice. Like, I kind of related to the promises in the Bible, and I heard people talking about them, but it was abstract to me. I was like, well, I don't have that kind of peace. I mean, I see what the Scripture says about peace that passes all understanding and all of these things, but I'm not experiencing it. I'm not practicing it. Well, the end-time church has got to know how to practice the peace of God. All right. So, I want to take a minute, and I want to talk about standing. I want to focus on the subject of standing for a minute. This is important. Paul used the word stand. He did not use the word march. And he did not use the word move or walk. Okay? And we realize that if he's telling us about armor, and he's saying, having done all, stand therefore, and he says to withstand our enemy, then obviously he's, the context is clear. There's a battle. Are y'all with me? Like, I'm not putting armor on to go make popcorn and watch Netflix. I'm gearing up because there's an enemy coming for me. And I'm not advancing. I'm not walking. In other places, the scripture talks about our Christian life as a walk. But in this case, in the context of battle, there are times when the lines are drawn and you and I are to just stand. Okay. Well, then that means that the enemy doesn't want you standing. He wants you flat on your back or flat on your face or off balance. And we're going to talk about all those things. Okay. Backing up to verse 13, Paul used the word again with Stand, withstand, before he said stand. Withstand means to offer strong resistance to or opposition to. So my enemy is coming against me and I am going to withstand him. I'm not going to take one step back. Nowhere in what Paul has said do we indicate losing ground. Do we indicate taking a step or getting off balance? Paul says, nope, withstand and stand in your place, okay? He's showing us a picture of a Christian and a church that refuses. Somebody say refuse. Refuses to move off of our center. Who is our center? Jesus Christ, right. All right. Stay with me. We're gonna get there. So we put the armor on to stand in it. We suit up to stand up. All right. Now, you guys know me. I like to look at words and I like to look at definitions. So the Greek word for stand is, I'm going to try to pronounce it, histami. Histami. And it means to stand immovable, firm, but also it's bigger than that because the Greek is very expressive. One word in Greek can have a lot of meanings. It's also relating to the foundation of a building. Now think about that. If the foundation moves, the whole building moves. But if the foundation remains, the building can stand for thousands of years, right? So to stand also implies a foundational principle. It also, listen to this, it means to continue safe and sound. Does that not sound in contrast to our culture today? Does it feel safe out there? Hmm. It also means to stand unharmed and to be, look at this, of a steadfast mind. 
Guys, you can't put a price tag on that. There are people that spent their health to get wealth and now they're spending their wealth to get their health back because they've lost their minds and they have no peace and all the money in the world can't buy it for them. Thank God for the riches of the peace in Christ. Now that's a promise to us. We also have another promise. We're gonna go through a few of these of how God reveals the, the importance of peace in his kingdom, in his character and in our lives. One of the first ones I wanna pull out is Psalms 91 and seven. You don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you. It says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. Now that's, that's talking about warfare. People dying all around me, literally at my side, 10,000 people may fall. And then David said, but it will not come near you. And that's kind of an oxymoron because if they were right beside me and they died, that's near me. Like it's right there, it's danger close. For you military guys, you know what that means. It's like the bomb's gonna go off and you're danger close, you're in the red zone, it's gonna hit you, okay? But he says it won't come near you. Now that's a piece that we can't relate to. How on earth can that promise be fulfilled in my life that 10,000 of my enemies may die right beside me and it can't come near me? Because he's your shield. This describes a peace that remains even when the battle is so strong that things are dying all around me and yet when the dust settles, not only am I standing, but I haven't even been moved. Okay? Yes, sir. Contemporary English version. Did y'all hear him? No. Read it one more time. Read loud. Then when, then when the evil day comes, you will be able to defend yourself. And when the battle is over, you will still be standing firm. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dan. So... So I'm trying to paint a picture, and I may, I may beat this into the ground before we kind of move on, but I'm trying to build, I want to bring us to a place where maybe we walk out of here with a fresh revelation, because this is how it's impacting me, okay? All right, so we talked about them dying all around us, the battle is, is raging. I want you to have that picture in your head, because battles in biblical time, when Paul was writing this, he was not thinking about snipers. And he was not thinking about warriors with M60s and grenades. They fought with swords and shields and up close personal. And you faced your enemy and you saw the white of his eyes and you could feel his breath and hear his growls and watch him die with your own sword. It was very close. And the picture that I was getting as I was studying this is that is the world we live in now. It is in your face. And I'm not talking necessarily about the sinful culture and all of that nonsense. I'm talking about the fear and the anxiety and the stress and the pressure in the world that the 21st century church is living in. It is right in front of you, okay? All right, and that's the picture that Paul is painting for us in Ephesians 6. It is very appropriate for the day we're living in. All right, moving on. Now, when we're talking about standing... You have to understand that when Paul was describing the armor, he was most likely viewing a Roman soldier at the time because it's, I think I'm right. If I'm wrong on this, forgive me, but I'm pretty sure he wrote Ephesians when he was in jail or at least he was on house arrest. So he was surrounded by Roman guards, centurions, if you will, and he's looking at their armor. So if you want to know what this armor looks like, go look at pictures of ancient Roman armor, right? And He's thinking about the way Romans fought and the way they marched and the way that they organized their military. And he knew that these men stood. They put their armor on and they stood rank and file, shoulder to shoulder, next to each other. Okay, and they, he, he understood enough that, that Roman soldiers knew that they could not break rank. 
that if the enemy could get them to move or break the line on which they were standing, he could rout them. But that these soldiers, and Paul writes now to us, to suit up and stand up shoulder to shoulder and don't break rank. Plant your feet and refuse to move. Okay? Now, did y'all know that the Romans invented the cleat? Who knows what a cleat? What are cleats? <laughs> she said, them little things that stick out the bottom of your shoe. That's right. It is. Why do we wear cleats? All right. That's right. So they invented those because they knew when they were in their rank and they were advancing, there would be time where they could not advance anymore and the enemy was right there pushing on them. There was extreme pressure, but they would refuse to move and those cleats standing firm would dig into the dirt and the earth and they had traction and they were immovable, shoulder to shoulder, sister to sister, brother to brother, form rank and stand, okay? All right, so what is that implying? Well, it means that in this warfare, obviously if Paul is telling us to stand and not back up, that means that the devil wants you to move. He's trying to move you. He wants to push you back. But I want to remind you that the scripture gives no allowance for that. We are told to stand. So no matter the pressure, I'm here to, to try to expound the word of God in a way where we can leave with an understanding that I do not have to crater I do not have to bow in, down. This thing, maybe it's something in my life that has just overwhelmed me routinely. I go through these seasons where I'm fine and then all of a sudden I just feel like I'm in a whirlwind and I'm just losing everything. That does not have to be your story the rest of your life. The Lord is saying, and if he's saying, then that means he will empower us to do it. As a matter of fact, if we back up to the very beginning of the whole introduction of this section of scripture, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he says, take up the armor and stand. So he's saying it is through God's power, through his might, through his strength that he will enable you to not be moved. Everybody say not be moved. All right. That's our promise. Regardless of how fierce the opposition may be. Okay. What soldier would go to battle and face off with his deadly enemy without suiting up? <laughs> Amen. No soldier worth his or her salt. Good soldiers know that surviving and indeed winning means that they need to use all of the equipment given to them. And God is saying that there should be peace on your feet. Don't leave home without it. Okay? And we're going we're gonna to break that down further. But I must have the shoes as shoes on my feet, okay? Well, I talked about moving a little bit ago. I, I want to go back to that. I'll speak personally because I've battled fear much of my life in various areas. And what would that feel like for me? It would rush in. Like I'm doing okay and then all of a sudden it would just, just come in. Well, I've never had a panic attack, but I've seen them. We'll talk about that in a minute too. But, but, but it, it would be this feeling, this, this sense of urgency that, oh my God, things are going to be really bad and I have no idea. And, and, and then that could start playing on itself. And, and I'm starting to learn that's the enemy. Because when I give into that, I start moving. All of a sudden, I'm not standing where I was, where the Lord told me, and I'm not in his peace. I've been moved. And it comes with this feeling. It comes with worry. That's the world we're living in. It rushes in on people. But we're told to withstand it. All right. So <clears throat> Satan's coming for my peace is what I'm trying to say. He's coming for yours. And he will get in your face and breathe his filthy breath in your face and lie to you to get you to move. But you can just stand there 
and watch the battle be won. All right. So if we're talking about standing, there's something important to understand about having equilibrium and balance and sure footing. Okay. What, what do we innately sense if our footing is unsure? Yeah. Somebody said it. You're going to fall. Okay. There's, there's, don't miss this. All right. If we feel like I'm not on steady ground, the moment I sense that, I'm uncertain. Questions like, that can make me and get me off my center of gravity and make me feel like I'm about to fall over or move from the place where I have been so sure. Has any of you ever been there where like, you got a word from the Lord or that message or that prayer or that person or you were alone with Jesus and you came out and it was like the heavens opened and you just knew that you knew that you knew that God, he put a vision in your heart and there was peace. And then 24 hours later, you can't find that piece with a search warrant. And you're like, well, maybe it wasn't. Uh-oh. I'm starting to move. The Lord told me to stand, right? But now I'm thinking the devil's getting me off center. Are you sure that, that God's going to catch you? What if you were wrong? If you make that mistake again, is he going to catch you again? You start thinking that way. Maybe it sounds like, well, what if God doesn't answer that prayer? What if all of the Bible isn't true? What if they got some of it wrong? Now, I'm writing questions that I've battled with, okay? What, what if the situation never changes? What if, what if, what if, what if? Or like Lucifer did when he came in the garden to Eve and he said, did God really say that? Did he really? Watch it. He's trying to move you. All of a sudden, that sure footing that I had, my feet are planted on terra firma. I'm ready. You're not moving me. All of a sudden, the ground beneath me is moving a little bit and I feel unsteady. Do me a favor, everybody stand. Those of you that, that will, if you, we're gonna do a little group participation. That's enough of you. If the rest of you wanna be lazy, you can. All right, everybody that's standing, I want you to go up on one foot. Don't balance yourself with the chair in front of you. Look at me, I'm already struggling. What are you thinking about right now? No, hold it, hold it. Don't, don't, don't put your foot down, hold it. Hold it. We've only been doing this 10 seconds. How many of you are getting tired? Hey, are you, are you able to think about biblical principles and peace right now? What's going on? Okay, you can put your foot down. What just happened in 20 seconds of uncertainty? Okay, Nathan said we started moving. Catch the revelation right here. Stand. When I stand, my feet are on the ground. And I'm good. It's solid. The earth is not moving beneath my feet. I'm ready. Like the scripture says, the preparation, the readiness of the gospel of peace is on my feet. But the moment one of my feet is not connected to something solid and my center of balance, all of a sudden, I can't really think about anything else other than not falling over in front of y'all right now. I'm distracted. I'm starting to move. Are you seeing the correlation between peace and standing, and why it's so important to insist on the peace of God in your life that God literally promised to me, and we're going to get to that because I'm getting ahead of myself, that I can live in peace. That the enemy wants to do the what if, what if, what if, what if, what, if, what about, don't you feel uncertain about all that? And he wants to work on you and work on you, which is why I must do what with my mind? Renew. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind, and I do that by spending time with Jesus and getting into his word. Okay. All right. So we did the little group participation thing just now. James 1 and 8 says, a double-minded man 
is what? Say it, Summer. In all of his ways, he is unstable. That's this. It does not matter if I have my armor on or not. If I'm standing like this, I am no match for my enemy. I need both feet on the ground. I need to get in my rank and in my file and in my place and refuse to move. And that's a formidable army. The enemy's no match for it. But if I'm double-minded, now we're drawing the connection to the peace of God. Now it's getting down to where we live. That when those thoughts come in that say, well, what if? Maybe Jesus didn't say, maybe he didn't, or maybe he won't double mind. I must make a choice because if I entertain that, I'm unstable now. And then I wonder why finances never work out or relationships never work out or I'm constantly ill in my, my, my body or my mind or it's just one, I'm always on the struggle bus and it just feels like this, I can't get off the merry-go-round of dysfunction. Why does it never work out for me? Peace is the answer. That's what I'm trying to get across to us tonight. All right, the word unstable in the Greek means, listen to this, it means restless, shifting, anxious, <laughs> afraid, unsure, afraid to commit. There's a big one. Panicky. Our sister asked just a moment ago about panic attacks. All of those things are in that unstable in all his ways. That word is implying all of those things. All right, so once I start entertaining those emotions, because not everything is a thought, some things a feeling. The devil can war against my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. He can attack my body. He can attack me with thoughts. It's not always here. Sometimes it's the soul. Sometimes it's the emotions. Sometimes I feel, isn't that what they say today? Well, I'm, I feel this way about truth. You have your truth, I have mine. My truth feels this way. That's unstable. It's dangerous. <clears throat> James 5 actually, or James 3 tells us that that's actually demonic, being controlled by sensual wisdom. That's demonic. So once we get unstable and we start entertaining those feelings or those thoughts that are moving us off of our peace, here comes the enemy now with his labels. Well, you're just an anxious personality. Okay, and, and please, before I go off into this, because I might make some people mad, I'm not against mental health practitioners. I, I work with mental health practitioners all day. I believe in the healing of medicine. I believe in all of that. P please don't hear what I don't say. Okay, I just feel the need to qualify that. But here comes the enemy with his labels. You just have an anxious personality. Maybe you need a medicine for that. Or you're ADHD. Or you're just defined by your trauma. It's just who I am. I I'm just that way. I'm ADHD. I work with a therapist. She's brilliant. And she constantly refers to herself as ADHD brain. She's just owning it every time she says it. I mean, a dozen times a week when I'm talking to her, you know, that's my ADHD brain. I just can't do it. My ADHD brain. This is a brilliant woman treating families and children. ADHD brain. It is in her head. She doesn't know the Lord, so that's all she's got. But it's a label. And I, I'm, I watch it wreck professionals. And then, then children, they already have labels on them by the time they're four and five and six, as young as three years old. Just speaking personally, I talk to, to parents, if not on a weekly basis, definitely a monthly basis. They're bringing their four-year-olds in for psychiatric treatment and medication because Susie or Johnny or Vivian already is, that's ADHD. It's a label. Or she has this or that or this, or they're anxious. Or, and I'm like, what is happening to our children? I know what's happening to our children. The enemy is walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he has robbed the world of peace. There is a culture in America, in the world of anxiety, of fear. And it's breathing on you. 
It's pressing against you. It's right in your face. And that is why Paul said, don't be unstable. Stand still. And how do I do that? In the peace of God, which we're going to get to. All right. So remember what we said about unsure footing, okay? All of those things that we just went through. That is the opposite of the nature of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the chief cornerstone. He said, he that hears my words and doeth them is like he that dug deep and built on a what? A firm foundation. A rock. We sing about it. Christ is the solid rock on which I stand. He's not unsure. He doesn't move. As a matter of fact, he doesn't change. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I'm standing in him, if I have that peace, if I have his nature, he's not moved. The enemies can rage. The heathen nations and their kings can exalt and make their boast. And Christ stands unmoved through the millennia. That is the God we serve. That is the Christ that I'm standing on. And it doesn't matter that if the 21st century culture is, oh my God, I don't have enough time to do all, and my phone's constantly going off, and the kids and the things and all this stuff's pulling at me, and there's not enough money, and I'm worried about mom and dad, and they're, ah. Uh. Can anybody relate to that? That's a little bit of how the enemy tries to war against me. So y'all can just listen in while I straighten my own self out. Okay? But this helped me. Okay? <clears throat> how often in life do we find ourselves living not according to the promise of Jesus that said, somebody said every day. Okay? I love the honesty. It's, that's that theory, no practice I was talking about. Well, yes, I know God promises peace. Of course he does. I read my Bible. I go to church. I know he's the prince of peace. I can tell you all the armor. I can quote Ephesians 6. I know it. How much practice of peace do you actually have, though? Or are you what I've heard some people call an atheistic Christian? Now let that sink in. That you name the name of Christ, you call yourself a Christian, but in all your behavior, you act like an atheist. Well, you, you just don't understand, though. I just got so much stress. I just, I don't have time for that. I'm just like, look, we can't talk about this right now because I'm just. But we have a promise of peace that says you don't have to be moved. That I can stand on a foundation, not on one foot, not off balance, not pushed back by grief or pain or stress or lack of money or blah, blah, blah. Fill in the blank. Whatever your battle is, wherever the enemy comes for you, for your feet, to move you. Because I think if you've walked with the Lord long enough, you know what it feels like to be moved the wrong way. You know when you walk out of church on Sunday or miracle night and there's that peace. And I'm just not worried about anything. And all of a sudden, I can do things, Jen, that are completely illogical and have complete peace about them. Like, I know of somebody that was wrestling with being in the wrong job and after a miracle night, that person walked out the back door of the church and had not made it to their car before they had quit that toxic job that they had not been able to get away from for years. Because in a moment of peace, I have clarity and I'm no longer moved or pushed back or bowled over. I'm not flat on my back. I am standing because there's peace. So there's practical. We're digging into the, to the, to the supernatural revelation of what that peace, and, but we're going to get to the practical side of what that looks like. All right, so let me give you a personal example kind of of what a daylight can go for me. So I've been doing some journaling in the evenings. I even put it on my calendar. It's 15 minutes, and I can't do it if it's not on my calendar because where's my phone? This dadgum thing. Sometimes I hate this thing. 
it's screaming for me constantly. Emails and texts and stuff. And then let's not mention my addiction to Facebook. I've got to check it 10 times a day or 20 times a day. Again, I know all of y'all are sanctified. Y'all don't have that problem. I'm just Facebook. Thank God I haven't gone to TikTok and destroyed my brain with that yet. But, but you know, this thing's going off constantly. And I couldn't even get 15 minutes to sit down and think. Just think. There's so much noise in my mind from the moment I get up. I'll be honest. I'll be transparent. I start my day typically as I'm heading to my office to go pray while I'm making coffee and brushing my teeth. I put on YouTube and I listen to a preaching or a teaching that I've put in my, that's just, I like to hear the word. But even with that, I've gotten so used to having YouTube on all day. I might listen to 19 teachings in one week. I haven't even taken the time to decide if I'm going to practice and do what I heard yesterday. And I'm already, it's constantly going YouTube and Facebook and email and text and phone to the point, Eric, I had to put it on my calendar 15 minutes at 8.30 at night, sit down and think. That's what it says. Really? Think? I think all day. Do you? Do you have a quiet mind to the point where you can actually think critically and you know what's going on in there? Or am I operating at such a level of noise and I'm so off balance because I'm not standing in peace that half the time I'm not even aware of how many open doors and why I'm so stressed, why I can't sleep, why I'm medicating myself with whatever it is, okay? So I put it on my calendar at 8.30 and I couldn't get to it. It was on there for a week and a half and I did it once. And it's reminding me, it's going off on my phone and I didn't do it. So I moved it up to 7.30. I was like, well, I'm really tired by 8.30, I'll try 7.30 and so far. I'm just giving you an example of just just me, and I'm, I'm up here teaching this, that I'm struggling with the stuff that's pushing in because, and it's just life. It's just what I call responsibilities or things going on. It's distraction. It's the fast pace of, and everything feels urgent. Did that resonate with anybody? But not everything's important. I'll tell you what is important. Standing in the peace of God. And let the chips fall where they may. Let the winds blow. I will not be moved. Because I've got peace. My feet are ready. All right. So we're talking about Satan wanting our peace, right? He wants you to be, uns- he wants you to be shaken. He wants you to be unsteady. So what's he going to do? He's going to take your feet out. Like a serpent biting at your heels. Going on its belly. Working its way through the grass. You don't see it. You don't have the shoes on your feet. And boom. He got you. But where does he belong? Summer said it. Under. But again, there's a correlation between an attack from the enemy and my feet, which are connected to God's peace. Are you with me? Romans 16 says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So he belongs under our feet. We know that Jesus crushed the head of the serpent. And even though the serpent bruised his heel in Genesis 3.15, Christ won victorious. We know that Jesus promised us in Luke 10 that you should tread, walk on your enemies, serpents and scorpions. I'm walking over it. My feet, I'm standing on the thing that should kill me. It's poisonous. And I'm standing unmoved, unsick, unaffected. I have peace. Let's talk about God's promise of peace. Just for a second. Just so to reveal why this is so important to him. It's not just something that God threw out as a tertiary benefit. Well, you know, if you want peace, you can have it. You don't really have to have it. It ain't like that at all. He said in Isaiah 9 and 6, I'm the prince of peace. It's his identity. It's who Jesus is. What is a prince? A prince is a recipient of his father's kingdom. 
that all of the authority and the rights and the blessing and the riches therein that daddy owns is mine because I'm the prince and I've inherited it. That's our Jesus. That his kingdom is set up in peace, Isaiah 9 and 6. He revealed himself as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my peace. If you look up the word Shalom, it means soundness, harmony, an absence of strife. You don't have to raise your hands, but I know at least somebody's battling strife in their life, maybe in their home, maybe in their marriage, maybe in your own heart, maybe in relationships, maybe with brothers and sisters that are sitting next to you in the church, and it's moving you. You can't focus. Your mind can't be quiet, and everything you're trying to do feels unstable. Why? Because you're double-minded. Because the peace of God that is promised to us is not there. In Romans 16 and 20, he's called the God of peace. In Isaiah 26 and 3, he says, I will keep you in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast because they trust in me. Psalms 29, 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. He blesses his people with peace. Psalm 119, 165, great peace have those who love thy what? Come on, Bible students, thy law, thy word, I love the word of God. And he says, if I do, I have great peace, not just a smidgen, Joe, not just a little bit like, well, I'm not making a bargain with the devil that look, if you'll just leave me alone and give me a couple of days to breathe, then we'll deal with that later. No, I want great peace. Come what may. And that's a promise. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the significance of why it's the feet. Okay. What time is it? What? Oh, dear Lord. Got to go. All right. Uh, what do our feet do? Hold the whole. Ooh, I like that. They what? They support you. Your feet, your feet help you stand. Your feet are necessary when you move. And they are the part of the body that has the most contact with the terrain that you're standing on. And the feet need to be able to adjust to all different types of terrain, especially in the context of what Paul was writing when he was talking about soldiers and armies and battles. They didn't have paved sidewalks, guys. They were marching through all types of terrain with their shoes on their feet. My feet are the foundation of my life or what the feet are connected to, what I'm standing on. If my feet are weakened or immobilized, then I am unable to stand like I need to. Remember back when we were studying that Greek word or Hebrew word at the beginning and it, it implied foundational? Of course the enemy is going to go for my peace because it's a foundational principle in my life. And if my feet, if I'm unable to stand in peace, if I'm unable to walk in peace, then everything that that is trying to hold up is shaken. My life, my foundation. Now, again, I'm going to go back to the well of, of personal. I'm not trying to make this a therapy session. I'm just trying to let you guys know what's going on with me. I've experienced kind of this thing in my own life and my own body in recent years. And it's caused me to gain a bunch of weight and all of these things. It's been tough. I've had problems in my feet. And like, life has been much harder. Just, just, just walking a couple of miles now has become painful. And I'm like, what's going on? And it's working its way up. Now I'm having problems in my hip and then it works its way up its back. Why? Because the foundation is off. So I'm, I'm kind of walking out what I believe is a spiritual principle that if I don't have peace in my spiritual life, then it's going to affect everything that's standing on that peace. And so if you've got pain in your life that won't go away, or it feels like it's spreading, or you're like, dear Lord, and you keep cutting the fruit off of the limb and it grows right back, go to the root. Do you have the peace of the Lord? 
All right. In contrast, if my feet are healthy, if they're firm, if they're strong and protected, I am then able to stand as long as necessary. Which is what we see in Ephesians 6. Paul just says, stand. Well, I got to sit down sometime, don't I? Nope. Not your spirit, man. Paul said, be strong in the strength of the Lord and in the power of his might. That is what enables you to put the shoes on your feet, that readiness, that preparation, and never move. Are you hearing me? I want you to start, when you walk out of here, I pray that the seed of God's word gets in your spirit that sometime in the near future, when that thing that usually moves you and you get that, sometimes when I experience anxiety, I get this thing in my stomach. It does this little flip. I hate that feeling. It's like, ugh. And it's just, maybe it's the stress of life or the day or I've got to have a conflict meeting with a client and sometimes just, and I don't like that feeling. That's not peace. That's stress. That's anxiety, whatever. Whatever, however you experience it. However, it's warring against you and, it, and the devil will keep going back to that well. If it works, he'll keep using the strategy. But I pray that the next time that thing whispers to you or talks to you or comes against your body or your emotions or that circumstance that has always knocked you off balance and then you spend the next however hours or minutes or even days, sometimes people go through a dip and they leave the church and their life is defined with these patterns and they can't seem, I'm, I'm ministering to somebody, I don't know who it is, but this pattern of up and down and it's like, well, that's just who I am. It's not. The scripture says, stand therefore, unmovable. And I pray in Jesus' name that the next time that thing, that thought, that feeling, that circumstance, that family member, whatever it is, tries to move you, that this promise comes to you and you remember, I'm not losing my peace. I'm not gonna have a panic attack. I'm not gonna go get a drink to calm my nerves. I don't have to have it. I'm not going to go do whatever I do to try to medicate that away because I can't stand the feeling. We want to be a church that learns how to stand unmoved. I'm talking about 24 hours a day where I lay my head down at night and I go to sleep. It doesn't matter if I have more month than money. I know God's got me. It, it doesn't matter if Governmental officials are losing their mind and everybody's hair's on fire on the media and it's bad news. Ah! Nope. I'm a child of God. I will not be moved. All right. Okay. Okay, we got to go. As shoes for your feet. How do we put the shoes on? All right, yeah. We're going to start moving into practicality now. Yes, picking it up. She said one at a time. I would back it up even further than that. First, you got to find a pair that fits. Huh? See, she, he can't give up with his socks and she can't wear the same shoes. She's got two different pairs. All right. You find a pair that fits, right? And then you lace them up so that they stay on. You don't want to walk out of your shoes. The scripture says the preparation or the readiness of the gospel of peace. His peace fits me. I step into it. I lace it up. It's on my feet and I'm not walking out of it. It's not loose. It's fixed. Do you think that those Roman soldiers put their cleat sandals on just any old way? When they know they're going against the Mongol horde and there's going to be 20,000 crazy men trying to kill them? No. They've got those shoes on their feet. They're ready to stand. Those suckers are on there tight. That's the picture that I believe God wants us to, or at least one of the pictures when we're considering how do I apply peace to my life? God wants it to cling 
to your stance. It fits you. One translation of verse 15 of Ephesians 6 says this, have the gospel of peace firmly on your feet. Hmm. I've already talked about cleats. We're almost done. Toe the line, right? That's what we form rank, stand, don't move. So that, that leads us to ask the question, what lines have I drawn? I'm going to go on a segue just for a minute here. Men, have you drawn lines around your family and your marriage and chosen to stand firm? I will not be moved. I'm not going to let a fear of my career move me away from God's purpose in my life. I will not be defined by American economics or the fear of not being able to pay bills. God is my provider. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to leave church because of a job. I have a line to stand on and I'm not moving. Ladies, have you done the same? Have you decided beforehand how resolved you are in standing and having a firm foundation in Jesus Christ? Or are you a little shaky? It's the enemy comes after our ladies often through their emotions, making them feel less than. That's what he did to Eve in the garden. He went for the lady first and he made her feel less than. He does it to all of us. But I think there's a principle there of first mention we see in Genesis 3 when the serpent came. He went to Eve and he said, well, you're not all you could be. Ladies, draw a line. Don't let those thoughts make your mind unstable. Stand in the peace of the Lord. All right. I want to throw this out there real quick. I thought of the shoes as a barrier. Just going to illustrate. I know we all know what a shoe looks like. If the ground I'm standing on represents my experience in life, I'm standing. It's a battlefield. Is my foot touching the terrain or is the shoe touching the terrain? And my foot's touching the what? And what does the shoe stand for? So I said it. Peace. Catch it. Don't miss it. The peace on your feet is the barrier. It is the filter through which everything, it does not matter, the terrain, these Roman soldiers, sometimes they had to walk over battlefields where there were literally spikes. They were called caltrops. And they would destroy your feet, metal spikes with big jagged edges. But because they had their shoes on, they could stand in that terrain and hold the enemy because they had a barrier. They had cleats. So there's not just an immovability from the cleat. You have a barrier between you and whatever you're standing on. Did you catch that? It's a barrier. That means that the place where the Lord has called me to stand, there may be 10,000 dying on my right side. The enemy may be breathing in my face. My feet should be wounded by this circumstance that I'm standing in. But because there's a barrier of God's peace, I'm unaffected. That's what I want you to walk out of here understanding that you don't have to have the answers. You don't, as a matter of fact, the scripture says it's a peace, Joe, that passes all what? That's so good right there. Yeah, please. Can y'all hear her? We have to um, find our own shoes that God's given us, our relationship with God for ourselves. 
because so many people are picking up other people's shoes and trying to stand on the peace of other people or the fruit of other people and people fail us. So you put your thank you, own shoes on. Your own shoes, but it all comes from the gospel of peace. Why is it called the gospel of peace? Because you and I were enemies with God. I was of my father Satan, and of his works I did. That's what Jesus said. If you're not with me, you're against me. He said, You're of your father the devil. But when I was born again of incorruptible seed and joined to my father, <clears throat> All right. So I put the piece on. <clears throat> and it's my shoes, my peace. Thank you, Summer. The gospel of peace. I'm no longer at war with God. Right? All right. And that's where the world is missing it, guys. I'm going to go through a list here. This is just a few things of how the world's trying to make peace with God outside of the gospel. Drugs. I can't, I can't take it. I just need the drugs. Yoga. I'm going to get to higher levels of meditation, higher levels of consciousness, or I'm just going to run away. I'm going to go live in the wilderness. I'm going to isolate. I cannot be around people anymore. Just leave me alone. I need peace. Statements of affirmation. I am good. I am accepted. I am affirmed. I am loved. And they stand in the mirror and do it. And I'm not making fun of people. I'm saying this is broken humanity that is separated from God and they're abiding under the wrath of God because they haven't obeyed the gospel of peace. There's no peace. Any of you know who Tony Robbins is? I've heard the name. Okay. Multi-millionaire. Probably a billionaire at this point. I don't know. People pay $20,000 to go to a Tony Robbins. I've watched the documentaries. They're having full-blown demonic church services in there. They're laying hands on people. They're doing statements of affirmation in the dark. They're summoning things. They don't realize this. They want peace, so they go to Tony Robbins, and he pumps them up and tells them how great and how they have the inner divinity, and it's within you and all this. It's not. Stop looking inside of yourself for the answer. Peace does not come from within. It's something I put on my feet. Did you catch that? And that's, sir, sir. Then they walk on fire. Yes. Oh, so you know. How did you know about that? Yeah. Did y'all hear what he said? They do. They go to a Tony Robbins thing. Okay. And he's a big, impressive, charismatic, powerful man with a deep voice. He's very influential. I used to work with a business coach that was ate up with this guy. I mean, he's like a God. Okay. And people pay $20,000 to go be in the room with him for just five days. And they do. They literally have firewalking things because they're teaching you, well, you can find your own peace, find your own way. You have inner divinity. You can walk through the fire and not be burned. <laughs> and I'm paying you money? Uh-uh. But that's what the world's doing because it's the gospel of peace. The gospel restores me to peace with God so that now I can have peace from God. And I do not have to be moved. I war not for a place to peace. I war from a position of peace. All right, I'm going to jump ahead. Now, practically speaking, what does it look like in real life? Hopefully, some of the, the, the what I believe there's, there's some revelation in this we can catch. Hopefully, it's speaking to people and this has, has helped you. But how do I carry it out? What does it look like in real life? How does that manifest? What... Okay, I don't want to be theory, no practice. I don't want to just hear a Bible study and hear about the Prince of Peace and peace and... Yes, ma'am. Okay. You're talking about, you know, feeling of the devil, you know, what, how it affects you. When I feel him, you know, whispering in my ear, I use, and I don't know where it is in the Bible, but where it stomp, stomp the devil on the head. Yeah, we read the and verse. Does that work? It works for me. Well, it works because you're using the scripture. That he belongs under your feet. Yeah, he does. Right, so you're putting your faith in the word of God. Yeah. So you're not being double-minded in that moment. That's 
That's it. That's it. It's as simple as that. It's remembering in that moment. You said when the enemy, when he whispers and you, and you, you start to recognize that it's another voice. That's not my father. That's not the prince of peace. I'm going to renew my mind and I'm going to get a hold of a promise and I'm going to stand on it. So practically, how does that look? Well, I'll try to paint a picture. Maybe I'm faced with a big financial decision. Sometimes the peace of God may lead me in that financial, it may feel like a crisis. And I know what my human logic says to do. Oh God, I've got to sell all the stock or I've got to quit this job and go work 712s at a shutdown at the chemical plant for the next nine months. Oh, and then that's what sounds right. It's logical. It's what I can figure out. But in that moment, if I'll slow down, if I'm walking with Jesus, I may hear him say something that's completely illogical. But for some reason, it feels so good to consider what I just heard the Lord say. And it makes no sense. Because how many of you know God don't make sense too often when he asks? Faith does not. That's, that's where the world, that's, that's the tip of the spear. Prove it to me. I want it to be logical. Nope. And so that practically might be, it might be counterintuitive to your logic. Now I'm not saying be dumb, but I'm saying if you're walking with Jesus and fear tries to rush in and move you and throw you off balance and your impulse is to go run and do ABC because that's what everybody does when the situation's bad. Oh, the market's bad. Sell, sell, sell. And the Lord says to you maybe, don't do a thing, just wait. Or kind of like he did to Gideon when Gideon was gonna fight the Midianites and he kept telling him, you got too many men. And he sent him into the enemy's camp with 300 men and there was like 50,000 or 100,000 Midianites. Made no sense. Practically speaking, be spirit-led. Don't be led by carnal wisdom, carnal flesh, common... Think beyond what you can come up with. What does the peace of the Lord say to you? Let go of the need to understand all of those things. It doesn't always have to be logical. Trying to paint a picture of what it looks like practically with the peace being on your feet. Now, this has been largely a recent development in my life where I've learned to more consistently stand in the peace of God, guys. And I'm telling you, it's helping my blood pressure. And, and it's, now again, these, these are my shoes, as Summer said. You know, I'm not telling you to do it like me. I'm, I'm struggling with you guys and I'm seeing victory and God has been so good to me. And I've learned that it's working, that when I'm starting to know that was the Lord, because when I stepped out on faith and it made no sense and I stepped and stood in that peace, God has come through again. I'm telling you, I could tell you miracle after miracle just in recent years. And it's been like that. And there hasn't been that thing. I, mean, I told you that thing I get in my stomach, that, that butterfly, that twist, that uh, or there has been no fear. There's been no panic. There's been no sleepless nights. And there should have been, but I haven't had to, to drink to go to sleep or medicate myself with all these things. God's peace on my feet. Did not have to understand it. All right. I hope that's speaking to somebody. So what does it mean if you walk out of the Bible study tonight and you find yourself still plagued by fear and anxiety? Or the need to go back to the old way because, well, this is what I know and that all sounds great while you're in church, but that's not the real life. Maybe you have that thought in your head. That's a stronghold. It needs to be pulled down and challenged with the word of God. But if you walk out of here tonight, still dealing with fear and anxiety, it means that somewhere in your life, there are things that are out of alignment. That's all it means. And it means to stop dealing with the fruit of the problem and just focusing on the fact that you feel anxious or afraid or very worried about your future or your finances or your children, and you can't get off of that dysfunction of that pain, that hurt, that grief, that loss, that memory, that, ah, uh, 
that vicious cycle that's just sucking the life and the fruit out of you, that means that there's a, a misalignment somewhere foundationally. And if you will go back and take action on the peace of God, that's a point that I left out and I'm gonna leave, I'll, I'll close with that. Paul said, take up the armor. Take it up. The peace of God's not just going to land on you. He said, put the shoes on. So I want to challenge you to find your faith in that area where you're struggling. You walk out of church Sunday after Sunday. You know how we do. You, you know how us Christians are. We come to church. How you doing? Great, brother. How are you? And we're smiling and we got all this angst and we go home and cry alone or whatever. I'm not mocking that. That's, that's real. That's church life in America, unfortunately. If that's you, I want you to exercise your faith on the promises of God's peace. Take time in the word. How do you take up the peace of God? You get in worship. You get in prayer. You invite the presence of Jesus in. That's putting your armor on. You get a promise and the next time that thing gets in your face and it mocks you or it shouts at you that you're going to die or it's, you're always, your whole family's always been, whatever that is, stand. Say, nope, not this time. I put on the shoes. I took them up. And if you'll do that consistently, I believe it'll transform your life. And I believe the day will come You'll look back and all you'll see, like David said in Psalms 23, is the goodness and the mercy of the Lord following you. That's the way I want to live my life. We have to have it. Because it's not getting any smoother out there. But there's peace in God's kingdom. Do you receive that tonight? All right, let's stand. Dan, would you take this microphone and pray for God's peace on our feet? Father, we thank you for the encouragement that we have received from your word tonight, that we take up peace and we shod our feet with peace, the peace that passes all understanding. We don't understand it but you have the answer. We thank you for your faithfulness to us by giving us this peace that passes all understanding. The peace of God that reigns in our hearts and our lives. We thank you for that because we can walk out of here changed people because you have given us your word that we declare the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace. So we shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us and your mercy that endures to all generations. Amen. We Amen. praise your name and we glorify you yes, because you are on the throne interceding on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, Thank you, Lord is our prayer tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.